Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is the Data for Good podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company focusing on data positions across Berlin. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data science, analytics, and engineering, giving you a platform to hear the thoughts and opinions of data leaders from Berlin and beyond. Today, we are joined by Alexander Genauk, Director of Data Analytics, Engineering, and Data Science at AdSquare. Alexander, welcome. How are you? Hi. Hi. Hi, Brad. I'm good. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you very well. Um, yeah. First off, if you uh, could give us a short introduction to yourself. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Alex, uh, and I'm, as you said, a, a Director of Data Analytics, Engineering, Data Science. It's a mouthful. We probably go a bit uh, into why this is such a long title. Um, and yeah, I am actually coming from psychology. So I studied psychology uh, in Berlin uh, at Humboldt University and then did my PhD in psychology and computational neuroscience at the Bernstein Center uh, of Computational Neuroscience here in Berlin as well. And uh, this was kind of the part where I went more and more from uh, clinical neuroscience into uh, machine learning and modeling and noticed I really like all this data science part of it and the programming part of it and love to work not just with humans which mm -hmm. you know as a psychologist you have a lot of contact with humans and also my PhD was with uh, running experiments with uh, with real subjects in a clinical setting but I really loved also working with the data um, and that's why then I also decided to go into industry and uh, started working in an e-commerce uh, company as a data analyst first and data scientist in Munich and then uh, later changed to AdSquare where I'm now and uh, they are started leading a team and have now this super long title. <laughs> yeah, collected all the, all the badges uh, which are in your job title now. Um, so fa fascinated to see, like many, you've made the switch from um, academia all the way through to mm -hmm. industry and really driving value uh, out of data. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, what is AdSquare and, and what's, what's the main business? Yeah, so AdSquare is probably a company that not many people know. Um, we are about 10 years old and the company has about 120 employees and uh, we are headquartered in uh, Berlin and we have also offices all over the world I think in about seven eight nine more countries I should actually know this uh, so this is mainly uh, sales teams a little bit of operations also um, and here in, head, uh, in headquarters we do all the tech and all the core business what do we do so at square stands actually for advertisement and square because uh, we focus a lot on uh, location signals data and geospatial data, and we are in the advertisement tech world. Sometimes it's also mm -hmm. just called ad tech. Um, so we deal in the whole landscape of progr programmatic advertising. Um, that means all the advertisements that you see mainly on your cell phone. So those little ads that you see, for example, in apps that don't cost mm -hmm. you anything that are advertisement financed those are sold or bidded for yeah. uh, in a process. And there are a lot of players in, in this industry called uh, demand side platforms. 
and uh, on the publisher side, the supply side platforms, these two mm -hmm. players, so people that have spaces for advertisement, for example, yeah. in apps, uh, they want to sell their spaces um, and the people who want to uh, advertise something. So, for example, big brands, uh, you know, supermarkets or yeah. other stores, um, they go via the demand side platforms to demand for these spaces and then they come together. There's a bidding process, there's a lot of tech going on, and we come into this process at uh, Square uh, by helping out with data because we want to help to do targeted advertisement because mm -hmm. usually advertisers, so we are on the side more of the demand side platforms, we help, help advertisers, uh, they want to make the best uh, buying decisions yeah. uh, by just buying those spaces for advertisement that are really relevant. So for example, just for people that are female and in the age of 30 to 35 and that have shown an interest in, I don't know, buying groceries that are uh, organic or so. And then if there's an, uh, an agency that wants to run such a campaign for their client, uh, mm -hmm. then we help out with data to, uh, to, to make the right decisions on during this buying process. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. And geospatial is very, very relevant um, yeah. as well at the moment. Now, you mentioned it briefly, your your title. Um, it yeah. does cover all of the data domains. So uh, analytics, engineering, and data science. How how do you fit those all into um, one role? What does, a, what does a typical day look like for you? Yeah. Maybe just a bit of context why this is so. Uh, this is also because of AdSquare's history, uh, because uh, AdSquare was, on the one hand, and still is, a, a data trading platform, pretty much. So we mm -hmm. we buy a lot of data and we um, yeah, aggregate and consolidate a lot of data. And then people have kind of a one-stop shop with us globally uh, for getting their data solutions. Um, and this was there was not so much data science involved in that because data trading was really just buying and there was a lot of data engineering more uh, mm -hmm. and then to get this out again. And in the past, let's say two to three years, there's more and more data science going on and AdSquare is investing just way more in into uh, more and more data intelligence. The most data intelligent was so far, and that's why I mentioned also the geospatial data in, geos in this geospatial domain. So for example, what we also do is footfall tracking. So we help also the advertiser not to plan campaigns and mm -hmm. activate them with, on, with us, but also to measure has the campaign actually worked. And clients can actually also come to us if they haven't run the campaign with us. That's actually also quite interesting because then we're kind of an independent arbiter. Is that a word in English? Yeah. <laughs> um, to say, hey, your campaign worked or not. And they can measure the performance of their campaign also in real time. Uh, because one of the, yeah, the engineering unique selling points in our case is that we are quite fast to get yeah. the location signals data and immediately attribute it to the right campaign and check if, for example, if a big brand, a big store has started a campaign, uh, if we see the footfall, and that's why geospatial data, in the stores of that campaign. So imagine a big supermarket brand and they have, I don't know, 10,000 stores all across mm -hmm. Germany or all across France, and they wanna check, okay, we started a campaign or we started maybe three different campaigns and creatives. 
um, and we want to check which one is the most effective. And then they can compare directly the footfall uh, for these yeah. three different uh, campaigns. So why do I have this long title, which was your original question, yeah. <laughs> um, is because uh, I came in kind of to uh to fast track this whole uh data intelligence part and um, part of it is also to bring the data in the right shape so what we have here in edsquare is an incredibly optimized very efficient way to deal with a with the data uh, mm -hmm. and to for example solve this uh, footfall solution uh, and to measure very fast if campaigns run well but the data is often in the format that a data scientist, a classical data analyst or data scientist cannot work so well with it. So one of my tasks okay. is, for example, to first, if you think of the data value pyramid, to, to check the base and bring the data into a format and into a data lake or a lake house to make mm -hmm. it really available also for more, let's say, advanced data science applications and make it more flexible to be queried, to be used, to be joined. Uh, and that is actually my first task. And only then the data science is at the very end of this title uh, comes to data science that we can actually do, you know, more advanced, complex things with the data. Mm -hmm. Right now, this is, you know, kind of encompassing this title, but could be that it also changes. We have hired a lot uh, that we, you know, uh, split teams uh, mm -hmm. and make them more, um, let's say, specialized. Yeah. Uh, but right now I'm kind of like overlooking this broad uh, field yes and the main point is first of all on data analytics engineering because we have to really prepare the data prepare the data sets prepare the tables so that we mm -hmm. then can do uh, the data science so it's kind of a an era of being a generalist before you super niche down into specialisms and you can maybe divide mm -hmm. um, the responsibilities up in the future <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we're already doing this. So actually, um, we we have both teams and we have squads, and kind of the teams are more longer standing and are you know groups of expertise, and we are this team of data analytics, engineering, and data science. Uh, but we work in two different squads, and the squads are a bit more specialized. Mm -hmm. uh, and there we start already that the squads focus on more specialized, larger projects that are kind of interdisciplinary. Also. Um, yeah. And um, there we have this already, and I think we will do this further that we you know, can specialize more and more now that we have built the base layer of the pyramid, yeah, of this awesome. data value pyramid. Amazing. Well, yeah, thanks for, for giving us those, the insights of uh, a typical day uh, of Alexander. Oh, yeah, well, sorry, the typical day, I totally forgot. Yeah, my typical day is very, let's say, eclectic, uh, but mainly I'm... I'm uh yeah have a lot of meetings <laughs> as we all probably we have right? yeah <laughs> yeah but uh I mean my my main task is to enable my team mm -hmm. so right now there are seven people in my team and uh to enable them to do their tasks right so a lot is about uh making sure that the tickets are all there so we work yeah. with Jira I think as most people do and work in mostly as kind of scrum way and have our sprints etc and it's always important to make sure that all the the team members and the squad members have what they need are there any open questions are there blockers we have of course our weeklies um and and regular check-ins and i'm 
pretty much facilitating all these things and often you know bring those two together it's often things like oh you have this problem i know that this other person they dealt with this already and they solved this actually last week you need to talk to them and then bringing people sometimes together that didn't know oh actually i can talk to them about this and then mainly knowledge 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 um, management because yeah. we learn so much every day everyone mm -hmm. uh, and i have of course contact with every single person and i foster a lot of team interaction of course but they necessarily don't know everything what's going on and they are for me it's just amazing if i see one team member they learn something really cool a new technology a new service a new way of fixing something and then i'm like you need to write this down you need to put this in confluence you need to give yeah. me the example you need to show the code snippets you need to present this in our knowledge sharing because i want everyone to use this mm -hmm. because i always have this in mind uh if we all knew this and if we all did this we are faster you know or then we we don't have that problem anymore that we had so that's kind of what i'm doing all day trying to see are you good do you have everything you need and uh uh, whatever knowledge is out there, I want them to to know about this. Sometimes if they're, if they're blocked. Awesome. Chief enabler, we, we can call that. Um, but here today, we're going to talk about data and pro programmatic advertising, mm -hmm. also known as ad tech, uh, as you mentioned. So within the, the greater ecosystem of, of marketing, for those who don't know, mm -hmm. programmatic advertising, to summarize it simply, what how do you what say does that? it mean? Yeah. yeah. So I mentioned it uh, earlier already. So what it really means is to bring together the person that wants to advertise, so that is usually a big brand, um, via an agency usually. So we deal mm -hmm. our clients are usually uh, big advertisement agencies uh, worldwide. Okay. So in different areas of the world, that's different big players, but they're also global players, mm -hmm. and um, and we deal with them. They have sometimes an account manager. If it's a larger brand, then we kind of have a one-to-one -one, um, mapping to a single brand. But mostly we deal with the big advertisement agencies that want to do programmatic campaigns and that run those already uh, mm -hmm. themselves. And they sometimes uh, get into contact with us to get you know better performance in their programmatic advertisement. Programmatic advertisement pretty much means you do it in an automated fashion and mm -hmm. using data and using an automated bidding process. And there are different channels. The most important channels that I deal with the most uh, is the channels, which is the mobile phone. Okay, so mm -hmm. any advertisement that you see uh, in app. Yeah. Um, and you see also the out of home um, programmatic advertisement. So you see more and more outside LED or uh, other kind of automatic out of home screens, you know, and yeah. those are just, you know, computer screens that you can, that are connected to the internet. So you can mm -hmm. also um, bid for those spaces in time and space. So the question is, which poster should I switch on at which hour, for example? Yeah. That's the main question of any advertiser. So should I use the fancy ones close to, you know, Friedrichstraße or Kudam? Or what about the ones that are more in the outskirts of the city yeah. uh, where families live um, that maybe, you know, have a car and also a house, you know, a certain kind of yeah. demographic. And then there are other areas where there is a different demographic. And on also during the day, you know, if you have commuters, 
um, that uh, go inbound or outbound, you see certain times are more favorable to put your out of home advertisement at yeah. a certain tram station also or, or subway station. So this out of home advertisement is also something that we do. Um, and it's also programmatic and we, in essence, help to characterize uh, the area and time and space for certain target targeting audiences. Yeah. Easiest is always to think of age and gender, but we have way more audiences. Audiences means always some kind of people like you could yeah. be part of an audience. For example, the audience, uh, I don't know, male and English speaker, for example. Yeah. Um, uh, but being in Germany a lot, at least we see see your 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 phone pinging there uh, a lot. And uh, so this is programmatic advertisement where we help during that activation process, during that campaign activation process to target in the right way. Uh, for example, imagine you have you know, 10,000 posters in, in Germany and mm -hmm. the question is now, which one should I buy for what time? You know, each time slot and each poster costs something and yeah. to make the right decision, um, okay, switch it on only in these cities in these areas at these hours during a during a week um instead of just randomly doing it or instead of doing it by gut feeling or so that mm -hmm. is uh what programmatic advertisement is about it's automated and it somehow can be intelligent by leveraging data um, yeah and that's what we do interesting because on the surface people would think that mobile advertising so advertisements for your your device and out of home advertising mm -hmm. would be two completely different companies is mm -hmm. is that the case or are they actually under the surface yeah. quite similar i think uh i mean under the surface especially for me as a data person it's all the data looks the raw data looks almost the same you know mm -hmm. what we're dealing with we have is essentially two big data types it's on the one hand the location signals data that is always a mobile advertiser id that is the mate it's also called um this is a an id that is sort of permanent on your phone you may mm -hmm. you can change it um and and you can also do you know this do not track your privacy settings and all not, uh, all that yeah. but if you have not denied this then the mobile advertiser id is quite persistent and it can be used to uh, um, associate with it a timestamp and a latitude and a longitude mm -hmm. with some fuzziness. Um, and this is a, essentially location signals uh, signal. Yeah. And certain apps um, and services, because they need it, because, for example, a mapping tool or some fitness app or other things, they, um, they collect this kind of data. Yeah. And send it to the servers and there are of course there's always privacy settings etc but if you have agreed to this that it is allowed to be used in programmatic advertisement then your data may be bundled and brought to a place like us where mm -hmm. we use it for helping uh, programmatic advertisers so location signals data is always this identifier timestamp and a latitude and a longitude and this you know you can use to for example check where are people, how many people are in a certain place at what hour? That's already super interesting. Density, mm -hmm. movements, uh, et cetera. What is a very highly frequented place versus a very low frequented place at what yeah. hour, et cetera. And then the other type of data is audience data. This is also the mate, 
So again, this identifier, and it is associated with a certain uh, attribute. For mm -hmm. example, gender, age, or also certain interests. For example, uh, a big group, especially in Germany, is people with pets or somehow interested in pets. Yeah. <laughs> pets is a, it's a big thing. <laughs> I know also this from, from my previous job where I was in the travel um in the travel industry uh and they are uh germans often travel with their pets and they love their pets and yeah. <laughs> this is a, an imp important uh audience in germany probably also in other countries um and these attributes are also collected from from certain apps one for example could be um some kind of social media or um dating app even where yeah. you indicate maybe I'm a male or I'm a female or I'm of a certain age and this kind of data this attribute may be saved and of course with all the privacy settings uh, enabled only then if you agree to this um, then it can be forwarded and it can be you know bundled and be used again with this ID it's important to know that this ID, I don't know by the ID who you are. So it's just a random yeah. you know, gibberish identifier. Um, but it helps us, for example, if we can then have location signals data and maybe for the same mate also know, oh, this person is male and in the age range of, I don't know, 40 to 50. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then you see how this person moves and you maybe have a whole group of these kind of people and you can even score a whole map uh, and say, okay, this is where males 40 to 50 are over-indexing, we call it. So they're more yeah. likely to be here than in a different place at the same time. This is interesting for advertisers because then they know, okay, if I want to reach this kind of target audience, these people for my campaign, then I know I should, in time and space, switch on my out-of-home posters there. Mm -hmm. The same goes, very similar case, I need to target these kind of phones because uh, via the DSP, so these are these demand side platforms, the activation, one of the kind of activations is with the MAID, so with the cell phone identifier. If I know a cell phone identifier and I know I need to target this uh, cell phone identifier because it's somehow, you know, somebody, an advertiser was interested in this kind of um, audience where this identifier belongs to, mm -hmm. you can activate it via the DSP and put this advertisement there. And that's why then you see in your app an advertisement, I don't know, that's a, maybe a cliche now because I was talking about males between the age of 40 and 50 yeah. about golf clubs or something, you know, <laughs> and not about bikinis. Yeah. You see, and um, and this is how this works. And if you, if you can anal analyze this data well, and if you have a lot of this data, then you can make it very specific and for the advertiser, this is interesting because uh, they don't have to pay as much, right? They pay a premium mm -hmm. because yeah. they have to pay us because they use our data. Mm -hmm. But overall, they pay less um, because they don't have to activate as much. They don't have to target too many mates yeah. uh, because they can do it in a targeted way. That's kind of the 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 business the business logic. Yeah, more more efficient. Just answer your question. <laughs> it's, uh, it certainly did. It certainly did. So, I mean, I think I speak for most people. It's irrelevant adverts that wind and irritate people. But mm -hmm. when you get adverts of brands or particular entertainment that you enjoy, 
it's it's not a bad thing at all. So how can data science further improve mm-hmm. this and improve marketing all around? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. So there are two big topics for us, or maybe three even. So the first one is the most obvious one that is like data quality and data cleaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in location sequence data, it's a whole um, science actually next week uh, also no actually this week i'm going to be at the spatial data science conference in london actually uh, yep. so uh, that's a super interesting conference um because spatial data science it is its own field um because for example gps signal is is only so accurate uh, in and of itself it is super accurate but it can easily be fuzzied for for example some yeah send only fuzzy data so already you don't really know was this person there or not were they in this supermarket or not were they just next to it you know and already there it can get sort of you can make a false inference because the person mm-hmm. was actually just next to it you got the signal inside and now this person is tra- uh, tagged as somebody who was in that store but they never visited that store that can lead then to the problem that they are in some kind of um we call it a place visit segment yeah. that they are tagged as a visitor of that store. And then maybe an advertiser says, I want to target people that visited that kind of store, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the, the person looks at this. Why do I get this advertisement? That doesn't make any sense. It could be because they, they are tagged to visit, to have visited that certain store. Maybe, you know, it's a male and it's lingerie store you know and and he was like why would i i didn't go there i mean unless they maybe buy for a girlfriend or so but and this can happen and we get in trouble things (laughs) (laughs) um but these kind of things uh this is important for data science so data cleaning making sure uh, what is the probability that this person was really a visit in this place Mm. um cleaning the data one big topic is for example foot traffic versus speed uh sorry speed it so uh car traffic you know mm-hmm. if i know and i can see okay actually this person was going by that store but at the same time they were also going over 5 kmh an hour so they were probably driving mm-hmm. so they did send me a ping there but they were fast so they probably weren't really a visitor they were just very close or it was a you know a mishap yeah. So these things are, for example, something that we do, uh, cleaning the signals and uh, um, checking if there are uh, fraudulent signals or somehow, you know, signals that don't make sense. Yeah. Um, this is a big topic and especially doing this at scale. I mean, most of the stuff and most of the problems come not from so much, okay, finding out how can you analyze that this makes sense, uh, but then how to implement this at scale because the data amounts are just huge 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 and then Mm -hmm. to make it not only at scale i mean that also can be done and there are amazing solutions out there to make things very scalable very quickly but then they cost a lot (laughs) and it gets very very expensive so you need to make it also very efficient and that is the art and that that is why data analytics engineering is such a big topic and Mm -hmm. is the first part because it's often about you know you can have an interesting algorithm but it needs to be Hella efficient, yeah. cost efficient, and not break the bank. Um, so that is one topic. Another big topic is now um, privatization. Privatization. So you know, GDPR is a huge thing, not only in Europe but worldwide. Uh, there is more and more push 
for um, yeah, sharing less data, making mm -hmm. data more private. So what I said, the mate, so this identifier, you also heard probably of cookie deprecation. It's very much yeah. related to this. Um, the, the big players, and that is, of course, Google, Apple, Facebook, etc. They, but also, of course, the regulators, they want uh, more privacy, maybe for different reasons, but that is yeah. another topic. Um, but uh, we probably look into a future where we will have less such very uh, ID'd data uh, that is tied to a permanent identifier. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot of movement is now going on into looking into alternatives. How can we still do targeted advertisement or somehow, um, for example, uh, characterizing a map um, and who is there and when and what concentration on more of a group level without using uh, IDs and identifiers. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's a big topic right now. It's also a lot about you know data cleanliness and data privacy and how much data do you really have to share also with players like us mm -hmm. um, to still uh, get the same quality in programmatic advertisement. And here, data science come in comes in because we look more and more into more and more into working with less data uh, yeah. and less also deterministic data, so made level, but more with probabilistic data. How can yeah. we build models? Models from uh, telco data also that is more aggregated. So telco, mm -hmm. so telecommunications data uh, that is more aggregated, where we have more like probability maps of where is what kind of audience when without never really know a specific single person or single mate yeah. maid uh, but more um it's a map and it's a probability we already work with these kind of things we're also already a product where people can use non-made data mm -hmm. i think this is going to grow and these as soon as we go into the more probabilistic realm modeling becomes much more uh, important because you can you, you don't just crunch the data and just find me the right mate and then we go and just join two data sets and it's just mm -hmm. difficult because it's huge it's a lot yeah. of of these identifiers now it's about how do we have maybe less data but we build models uh, that can infer uh, where is a mate when and also what phone do I have to target when we get, for example, through the bitstream, also something like the phone is currently in this rough vicinity mm -hmm. and it is a Monday at 9 a.m. And it's also an area where we heard, you know, there's a certain audience over indexed. Do you want to bid? You know, you get more of this fuzzy information to have to, mm. have to make a bidding information. Yeah. And that's what we do in the third um it's not the last but let's let's make it the last right now <laughs> uh for this answer is um we call it post-campaign reporting so everything mm -hmm. that is about experimenting has my campaign really worked yeah. and understanding whether your campaign has worked is always difficult because you kind of have to compare against an alternative reality mm -hmm. if you hadn't run the campaign and you have to run an experiment in the in, in essence. So client often asks, okay, I'm gonna run this campaign. I spent 200,000 euros on it. Um, did it work? How much uplift did I have? How much more people did I see in the stores compared to if I hadn't run the campaign? Mm 
-hmm. what is the incremental footfall for example yeah. uh, in the stores did it really help what was the roi and this goes actually very close to where i'm coming from from psychology because this is what we did all the time we ran psychological experiments so yeah. we wanted to know if a certain intervention changes the behavior of humans and uh, and here we do natural experiments in the in the wild and uh, there are a lot of things yeah they are, that you have to take into consideration mainly is how to build a control group or any kind of control condition mm -hmm. and because it's a very natural setting yeah. you don't have so much under control and you try to get all the factors under control and to really isolate the effect of the campaign and uh, that's a big topic both in um, mobile uh, campaign advertisement post-campaign reporting but also in out-of-home it becomes more and more important in out-of-home where people want to know okay i spend all this money on all these posters at all these amazing subway yeah. stops um how much more did i get now store visits at my supermarket or mm -hmm. at my i don't know perfume store or whatever yeah. and that's that's the big question um yeah and there's a lot of data science and and classical inferential statistics also going in um which is as i see not so readily available in the market so um yeah i think there is a lot to be improved there still mm. and uh yeah we're offering this already but we're also constantly looking into uh, improving it and how can we yeah, work with the data the best we can yeah it's uh, definitely an exciting time for the ad tech space a lot to contest with uh, regulation uh, probably more yeah. so so but um innovation comes from these kind of situations so yes looking forward to seeing how how that develops uh, I, we are conscious of time but i do want to mm -hmm. finish with with one question is you touched on it briefly then how much do you think your experience in psychology has led to your success um in the field of data uh i think a lot i actually wish more people from you know social sciences would would consider a, a field also like in more engineering data science um mm -hmm. and really work together with data engineers for example or people yeah. who come from more in this field now traditional uh, areas like computer science because I think the interaction of these two fields, I mean, anywhere where you bring in diversity and people from different backgrounds, it always helps. And I think I bring always to the table uh, the experience in the uh, in designing experiments with mm -hmm. humans and also what is human decision making, what kind of uh, noisy covariates do we always have to think about if you yeah. work with you know this kind of data? Because in psychology, from the first semester on, you learn data is crap and it's 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 noisy, it will not yeah. work well, and you will have a lot of problems. So you have to deal with noise. What is the noise distribution? Did you check if the noise is re really normally distributed? Is your mm -hmm. model really the right one? Are your residuals actually not normally distributed? Did you do something wrong? You know, this is gets hammered into your head all the time. Um, to do this and to think very well about your experimental design. And I think this is something uh, I don't want to, you know, talk bad about 
physics or so, but physics, yeah. they're so used to having amazing data. You know, if yeah. you have an experiment and the p-value, so in statistics, if you run a, a statistical test, classical statistical test, you get a so-called p-value, which is the, I don't want to say something wrong, the probability of the data given that the null hypothesis is true. And you uh, you usually get a p-value that is super low um, and mm -hmm. it's highly significant. And that's just normal for physicists because they have super good control over their experiment. Yeah. And clean data usually, you know, in most physical fields and other physicists, obviously. So probably somebody will say now, well, there's also cases where yeah. you have same problem. But um, this is something where they weren't forced maybe to think so much about, you know, noisy data and data from yeah. humans, humans that don't really want to answer right. They want to actually say something else, although they mean something else, you know, all these kind of things that can happen. I think this helps a lot uh, in my day to day um, with dealing with, with, with data science. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. No, it uh, definitely shows and it's a valuable experience. Um, well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, thank you very much for your time uh, and your rich insights, Alexander. Uh, as sure. always, to the listeners, um, yeah, drop any feedback and, and questions. We'll pick some out for future podcasts. And don't forget to like and share so we reach as many people as possible. But it's been a pleasure having you on, Alexander. Thanks once again. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure also for me. And yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, it was great. But ciao for now. Ciao for now. Bye-bye.